Welcome to Taxpayer Talk. I'm Ella Aitchison, Research Officer at the New Zealand Taxpayers Union, and I'm joined by Tim Hazeldean, Professor of Economics at the University of Auckland. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Ella. Before we discuss some of the solutions you're proposing or would like to see, could you give us an overview of what is currently happening in the New Zealand economy? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and no one can answer it because we don't really know what's happening. We know we've got well, we had a recession in the middle of the year, and we think we're probably out of that now. But we don't know how badly the economy has been affected. It, it perhaps, perhaps I think it would be safe to say that it seems to be doing better than people expected, but it's still problematic. Do you think it's genuinely doing better than people would have anticipated, or we've just propped it up with so much stimulus that we can't really tell? Well... Maybe, but I don't think we have propped it up. There have been the wage subsidies. I think that's pretty clearly helped keep people in work. I think everyone would say that. But apart from that, I mean, the the large so-called fund that's supposedly available to pump into the economy hasn't been heavily tapped yet because it's proving quite difficult to spend the money on these shovel-ready projects and the like. So perhaps we haven't really pumped a lot of money in yet, but perhaps also, actually, people, you know, the economy is more resilient and people are more creative in things, how they deal with, about how they deal with problems we shouldn't, than we expect. And we shouldn't you know, neglect the resourcefulness and creativity of business people and households in sort of coming up with ways to work around a problem. So you're advocating for a GST holiday. That would be hugely expensive. Is it really necessary to undertake such an expensive uh, stimulus effort if the economy is actually not doing as badly as we'd all feared? Another good question. I mean, I, when I first came up with this idea, I, know I think other people have as well, that was nearly that was about two months ago or more, I think, and we were all pretty gloomy then, but indeed it, it might not be needed, but it is a sort of a weapon, if you like, or a policy that could just be deployed uh, without much notice at all. In fact, better probably without much notice, uh, if needed. And in terms of the expense, obviously that's a reasonable thing to ask about. Before COVID, um, we the government was was sucking in about two and a half billion dollars a month from GST. So that's it's probably sucking in less than that now, maybe depending on how much how big the recession is, but. So upwards of $2 billion. So if you were saying, well, how should we spend um, 5 to or $6 billion in stimulus, uh, which is the sort of number, which is below the numbers that people are talking about as being possible, then my, my point is this, well, what's the best way of doing that? If you really just want to get people spending, and you don't really care so much who, who does do it, although you've probably got a bit of a reasonable bias towards poorer people who are suffering the most, then I think the GST GST holiday um, would arguably be better than both government spending on shovel-ready projects, etc., or tax cut, income tax cuts. Just to clarify what you're suggesting here, Tim, you're talking about a zero-rate GST, so no GST, for a period of, what, three or four months or longer? Well, that's another interesting question. I think zero sort of has a nice feel to it. If you want to do it, do it. 
um, and get something that people really notice. Um, I don't think, if they did do this, I don't think the government should give any warning of it, and I don't think they should say when it's going to end. In fact, um, maybe this may be a bit cute, sort of mechanism design, design stuff, but I think they should randomise the perhaps have, even have lotto, have a lottery every week after about a month, saying, is it going to end at midnight tonight or not? Because once you do that, then you get the, then you get people really incentivized to go out and not just put food on the table, which would be very important, of course, for lower-income households, but for middle- and upper-income people to say, well, better buy the fridge, better buy the car, you know, before this thing gets taken away. So it might be best to not tell people when it's going to end. But perhaps that's a bit, as I say, too cute. What would be the consequences, though? Let's say, randomly, the GST holiday comes to an end in a few months' time, but New Zealand's economy is still really, like, not doing as well as we would hope, and people are still being very cautious about how they spend their money, and even more cautious now that they've just had GST go up again. What would be the impact of, of that? Oh, well, it, it, if that would imply that it, it, it may not necessarily have failed because you've always got to ask, what is the counterfactual? Would it have been much worse without the GST holiday or, for that matter, tax cuts of other sorts? So you'd have to, one would have to deal with that. This is, that would be a bad news scenario for sure, but it still doesn't, uh, rule, doesn't mean that the, the, let's just say, stimulus program, however we do it, was a failure compared with the alternative. Hopefully, I'm pretty sanguine about the, as I say, the resilience of the private sector in particular to you know, come up with new ideas and things, but perhaps I'm wrong. You do sound very sanguine, and it's quite reassuring to hear. What gives you that impression? Well, yeah, I, I do have strong faith in, in the creativity and ability of people to to solve their own problems if, if they have a chance to, um, perhaps better than anybody else can solve for them, and that's households as well as businesses. But, I've, you know, if the news stories that we've been reading or hearing in these months are full of especially small and medium-sized businesses sort of doing surprising things to sort of cope. I, I, I haven't kept the list, but the one I particularly remember was the small car rental company Snap, uh, which has always been quite an innovative little company. And they, of course, you know, car rentals, tourism, this was during lockdown and everything, zilch, right? So what did they do? They said, we'll turn our, our rental cars into delivery cars and we'll use our own staff to drive them and start doing deliveries because, of course, in the lockdown, deliveries became, home deliveries became a, you know, a growth industry, delivering stuff to people's houses because they couldn't go to the shops. Well, that's actually just an anecdote, but it's just people, you know, other people, other businesses decided they, they, their market or whatever it was they made gone for the time being, but they could make masks. You know, some businesses had suddenly discovered they could make uh, the COVID the face masks. And, you know, it's just amazing what people can come up with you know, if, if they have to. National campaigning on cutting income tax, and I know you mentioned um, a moment ago that that wasn't as effective a strategy as cutting GST. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's because the in particular, you, you've got no guarantee people will spend an income tax cut. The people who get an income tax cut are people who pay income taxes, 
which puts you in the upper, say, 80% of the adult population. Um, people, poor people don't pay income taxes, so they wouldn't benefit at all, even though they'd love to spend the money. And the, the study I quoted in my business test uh, article, in fact, I, I misquoted it. I, I said about half the money from a US program called under the CARES Act, it was called, earlier this year, which was specific cash grants to US consumers, um, that in fact, I said about half of it wasn't spent, but in fact, 60% uh, of it wasn't spent. 30% was uh, saved by people who do savings, and 30% was used, to, which is also saving, used to uh, reduce debt from, from people who actually indebted. Uh, and only 40% went out, that was used to go out shopping with. Now, a GST holiday would, would still, be, there'd still be people who wouldn't bother to spend more except for this big ticket thing, which they'd have a similar incentive to take advantage of. But certainly the people who aren't benefiting at all from income tax cuts, lower-income households, they'd say, thank you, and we'll go out and spend it because they're having trouble putting food on the table, paying their power bills and things. So it would be pretty much 100% stimulus, spending stimulus, I think, for lower-income groups. So what do you think National's doing? Why wouldn't they just campaign on a GST card or a GST holiday rather than this income tax proposal? Uh, well, I, I don't know. That's getting political for me. I mean, maybe they think the people who vote for them are the people who pay taxes. I mean, um, I, can, I can reframe that. Does, does cutting income tax offer something, even if it's not the top priority, that cutting GST yeah. doesn't, that's desirable from an economic Viewpoint. Oh, okay. Yeah, another good question. Look, I don't think they've said this, but there's certainly an argument, perhaps from the National Act side of, of economics, that income taxes, that paying income tax is, 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 is depresses effort. You know, people don't work so hard, don't invest so hard if the government taxes it away from them. So that's sort of a supply side type argument for cutting taxes. You'll get um, you'll get some of it back from people working harder or investing more. So that, that could be, that could be I, don't, I don't think they actually did use that argument, but I would use that argument if I were them. Is that really a problem we have right now, though? People not wanting to work? I would have thought it was quite the opposite. Lots of people wanting to work, but just not having the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The, the, uh, the empirical evidence, even for well-off people, uh, like, is that they, especially, you know, CEOs and people like that are probably all workaholics. I mean, they just love to work. And I don't think there's much evidence that cutting income taxes um, brings forth a, sort of a surge of, of effort. But you, you, it could do. We've spoken about this a little bit, or you've sort of alluded to it. But if I were just to play devil's advocate for a minute, some economists yeah. are saying that now is the wrong time to cut any tax at all either because they'd like to see debt repaid quickly or, as you've sort of taken issue with, they'd prefer the government instead invest it in things like infrastructure. How would you respond to those arguments? Well, on the debt thing, I think we're common ground, as I wrote in my article, that um, some deficit spending or running a deficit is appropriate at this time, running a bigger deficit or running a big deficit. 
So it's whether you do it by cutting the revenues through taxes or by increasing the expenditure through infrastructure or whatever. So I, I was sort of, I'm not taking a position on the size of the deficit. I'm saying if everybody agrees, it seems to be the case politically that we do need to do something at least in the next six months or so and now, then I'm, I'm suggesting that, well, add GST holiday to your other two um, sort of proposed remedies, the tax cuts, income tax cuts, and spending. Another interesting thing you mentioned in your article, Tim, was that the process of spending public money is often a fraught one. Could you talk us through what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah. well, there's this old uh, saying that I've, I like to use from a Canadian economist, Sylvia Ostry, who said that governments aren't very good at picking winners, but losers sure are good at picking governments. <laughs> and, and, okay, it's a cute saying and everything, but there's a lot. It's very hard for governments or civil servants. It's very hard for businesses to know what to invest in a lot, and they make a lot of mistakes, but they're probably better equipped at doing it on the whole than governments and civil servants are. So you, you, you really, the advantage, as I said in my article, of the tax cuts is that there's three million taxpayers out there who you, whose income, whose taxes you're cutting, and there's no problem for those three million people deciding what they want to do. They all have their own priorities, they're all competent people who make they and their families can make some decisions. I just said that maybe the decision in many cases would be to save it, which is fair enough, of course, but is not a stimulus. Some people would say, though, that New Zealand has historically, and by that I mean sort of over the past 30-ish years, not yeah. been spending enough publicly. And that's why we've got this huge infrastructure deficit. And really, it is those spending projects fraught though the process may be, that is going to improve yeah. New Zealand long term. Do you think there's any merit in that? Yeah, I, I think there is. I think we, perhaps we have been a bit quiet on infrastructure. But I, I think the infrastructure should not be rushed. You know, it, you, you then you start to do silly things. Uh, <laughs> and if, if you're just trying to so let's spend some money, you, you skip $12 million to something rather dubious private school in Taranaki. You know instead of fixing up the state schools. You know, you, you can make very bad decisions very quickly on that. I think infrastructure, good infrastructure projects are good because in a sense they do pay for themselves. You just, the future generations will benefit from better transportation systems and even better schools and better public health for that matter. So in a sense their social rate of return uh, is positive and that's, that's good, but you can easily embark on projects which you just, like I would say, the Provincial Growth Fund, for example. It, in the history of economics, there are very few success stories of people throwing money at depressed regions and, and having that money have a permanent effect. It's very, very hard to do that. So you know, I worry about things like that. What else would you like to see the government do to support New Zealand's economic recovery? Oh, well, that's, that's a good question. I think what would be... I think there's really one real positive out of that could come out of COVID, which is that we have a blank sheet of paper, and to we could redesign quite a few of our activities uh, in a way that we just really find it very difficult to do if it was business as usual. Um, 
international tourism, inbound tourism, which had been become our biggest export industry, many people in that sector say it, we weren't doing it properly. We were basically doing sort of bulk tourism and, and, and crowding out uh, natural resources and things, getting congestion, which everybody loses from, and that we should be retargeting New Zealand as a more of a high-end um, tourism destination. Well, we've, we've got the chance to do that because we have no tourism. So we've sort of got a, a chance to redesign the whole sector. I think in my own uh, industry, which is about fourth or fifth part of the education sector um, in terms of export earnings, we, again, we, we've had a sort of a, a bulk a bulk view, just sort of anyone who wants to come to New Zealand will discount the price for you. We under, we discount our university fees relative to Australia. We shouldn't do that. We should be charging a premium relative to Australia because we're a more desirable uh, location now. So, and we don't, so we've got a chance now, if we want to take it, to say, right, well, we haven't got any foreign students at the moment. So how, when we, when we kickstart it, when we, when we reopen the border again, how do we want to do it? Uh, and um, technology perhaps might also be um, an area where uh, fresh, fresh thinking can be more easily implemented in a situation where nothing's happening at the moment. Brilliant, Tim. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you.